Bitcoin fixes the money, the Beef Initiative fixes the food and nutrition. Step into some new awareness that incorporates some much needed food intelligence into your life. This is Texas Slim with Texas Slim's vision. Hey guys, Texas Slim here. How are you doing, Bitcoin Crusader? Good to have you, man. Hey, uh, I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me, Slim. You bet. I've been following you. I haven't been in the space nearly as long as a lot of people, but uh, the ones that I do follow, you were one in the beginning. Uh, You have a lot of wisdom, uh, a lot of uh, good faith, very good memer, and you know, it's easy to follow your words every day because they're based on a lot of truth and a lot of faith for all the newcomers here kind of may, maybe into the Bitcoin space. Can you kind of let us know a little bit about, you know, not too much, don't want to dox you in any way, but you know, who you are and, uh, and give a general representation of, you know, maybe what would you like to talk about today? Yeah. So, um, I'm a, software developer um, I'm freelancing right now and um, I've came into Bitcoin a couple of years ago I I looked for a way to invest some of my money that uh, I've put aside over the years and um, I, I kept hearing about Bitcoin so I wanted to see what's the deal with Bitcoin and and tried to understand how it works, and and I understood that you know after after studying the stock market and, and Bitcoin, it was the stock market option where your money is in someone else's account. You don't know if you buy uh, stock. Uh, you don't know if the company really bought the stock for you or not. You're just playing with numbers on the screen and kind of have to trust the company that they do what they say they do. And the alternative was Bitcoin where you own you own the the, the Bitcoin. No one can take it for you from you. And um you know uh, it's, it's permissionness is uh, uncensorable uh it's it's something radically different so it was an obvious choice <laughs> for me to choose bitcoin and that's how i entered the space i was reading one of your um, articles and you talk about you know the um the let's say the hundreds or thousands of hours that you put into it and after you put into that that time and investment and understanding bitcoin there you had kind of a moment of clarity it looks like that you say okay now i'm understanding you know what is going on here and you know i think every individual goes through that process of clarity of understanding of maybe the confusion is put behind you and you have you do you see a roadmap that you can kind of go down let's say a rabbit hole as we all say did that kind of happen with you or how how did you kind of you know transgress into the understanding of it you are a programmer and so your mind you know works in a lot of different ways than some of us normal guys that don't program so tell us your mindset whenever you did start you know your educational process and discovery well 
so being a, a software engineer also, you know, I made many projects and I wanted to understand how Bitcoin works at a technical level. So I started learning every part of what makes uh, Bitcoin tick. And after I've put it all together, like I, I got like a couple of weeks uh, um, off from work to just study it. I was so deep into it. I wanted to know why why it is uh, permissionless, why it is decentralized, why, you know, every stuff that people say about Bitcoin, why it is, it is the future, why, why it is such a revolution. And after I put all the parts together and I understood it from a technical perspective, for me, I, I was mind blown. I was like blown away. It was for me something that, I, I I don't remember feeling that before, you know, it was something extraordinary. Like a kid, you know, like a kid that is, is you know, is teaching something so profound and, and getting it. So for me, it was, it was a technology that I, I think no one could think could, it could exist. So it was an impossible technology, an, an impossible idea. And Bitcoin made impossible possible. And you bring up, you know, how I got into it. I, and that's a good point because whenever I got into Bitcoin, I got into it as I was researching food. As I was reaching Bitcoin, I learned how to research food better. As I researched food better, I learned how to research Bitcoin better. And I think a lot of people, you know, in their lives, personal lives, being a software engineer, being a rancher that I deal with these days, farmers, ranchers, you're, you kind of leverage what your skill set already is and you're able to look at your skill set maybe um, in a different way. But you're also able to leverage your skill sets in a way that you probably never had understood. I always tell people that uh, Bitcoin exposes a reflection of yourself that you might not have been aware that was was reality. And you're you're not afraid to expose it now because it gives you a sense of confidence. And like I say, I like to use that word clarity, but, you know, the confidence and it, it's a portal into maybe the truth that gets covered up a lot in our lives. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so, if when when you when you get to to learn the skills in in uh, you know learning about Bitcoin uh, or about food or about anything, uh, when you start digging for the truth, you learn some skills and you can apply those skills in any field. So, you know. Studying about Bitcoin, trying to understand why it is what it is and why it works and why it is so amazing and revolutionary. You learn some skills and you can apply those skills in other fields, like in studying about food. That's why many Bitcoiners, you know, went on that road and they, they know the meat is the way to go. <laughs> so, and, and you go in other parts also, you, you start analyzing the state critically and you start understanding wait a minute uh, the state is a criminal organization what's happening here why why do we behave like this we are not civilized <laughs> and so on so learn about money and you can start you know uh, going to any subject and 
you find usually usually find out that what you know it's false it's a lie so the truth is different from what you know yeah and you started writing about that you're you're a strong man of faith you uh you you definitely let everybody know that you bring a lot of uh intelligence a lot of research a lot of wisdom to the bitcoin space and you've read some really good you know articles and i kind of got i went down your own little rabbit hole too because i think if you are a man of faith uh, with me you know i definitely a man of faith i'm a follower of jesus christ you know i don't really wear it on my sleeve like you know i'll go thumping a bible but anything but you, as far as my faith in jesus it's very strong um reading one of your writings and you, you wrote about jesus you said you know bitcoin re resembles jesus christ and how did you start becoming into that mindset? Was it from the very beginning, you know, because you are a man of faith, was it easy to start doing the associations, like uh, the list of things that you can compare and look at the Bible and say, this is kind of what Bitcoin is as well? Yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, uh, I even saw on, uh, Twitter, I saw many Bitcoiners confuse, you know, Bitcoin with Jesus Christ or the Bitcoin values with the biblical values of Jesus Christ. And, you know, if if we start to interpret the Bible, we can interpret it and you know, we can say anything. We can we can make the Bible say anything we want it to say. We start if we start interpreting the Bible. So. There are a couple of Bitcoiners there that think that, you know, what if Bitcoin is the second coming of Jesus? And, you know, maybe it is the second coming of, you know, Jesus, but for the banks, because it will blow away all the banks, be your own bank, you would become your, your own bank. Uh, but there's, there are many, many, you know, similarities between Bitcoin and the Bible and between Bitcoin and jesus and that's what there's one one of the things that made me look more into the bible and more into jesus life and after learning more about the bible and about jesus life i could do more uh, comparisons between the two so that's how that article was born <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I like it. But, I mean, you have 21, you know, things that resemble one that um, I like a lot is I, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and he said, let the vine grow, which it may. And, um, you know, one of your uh, comparisons is the is the true vine you know, the narrow gate in which we, you know, are able to to find maybe redemption or to, you know, eternity with Jesus to sit by his side. Um, as far as letting the vine grow, which it may, you know, that has a lot of symbolism that has a lot of meaning to it. I think within the Bitcoin space, it allows you to grow in which way your vine may in that I can't kind of makes me reflect on what we kind of just said is once you have something that you're good at or that you have as a skill set or a mindset, it, it gives you that, that portal to be able to pursue it even deeper. And you're able to, you know, your own vine in which your own your own unique qualities in this life on earth is is something that is very powerful and it lets you believe in that. And you know you have a strength behind it that you can have confidence in. That's kind of my personal journey with 
with it. Um, that's what I read from your, in one mm-hmm. of your writings, the one that I referred to, like mm-hmm. number 17 is what it is. So that, I, it, that really stuck out to me. Yeah, well, when I wrote that, uh, that came after I studied the Bible and um, the true vine from a religious perspective, the true vine is Jesus Christ because there is no life without Jesus Christ. So uh, uh, that's the true vine. You know, that's how I see it from the Bible and that's how it's in the Bible. But... Uh, the comparison with Bitcoin, Bitcoin being the true vine, is that Bitcoin is the the true the true decentralized asset. So there, there's no other altcoin or asset that's truly decentralized. So if so, for example, if you're a software developer and you want to build software on crypto. The true vine is Bitcoin because if you start building software on any shitcoin, you'll you'll you won't have any future because all shitcoins are centralized or all, all, all shitcoins are altcoins and they're all centralized. So uh, you won't have life if you if you're not attached attached to the true vine that is Bitcoin. If you start building on top of Bitcoin your software will have long life because it's rooted in something that's strong, that's uh, uh, that cannot be destroyed, that cannot be stopped. So it's better to to build for the future than, than to look for the short term gains and start building some, on some shit coins or whatever. <laughs> That's how I saw it. Yeah, I think it's a good point. Um, I've I've kind of looked at it kind of with my initiative, the beef initiative. How, how I've looked at that is, I asked you know a lot of uh, ranchers. I said, "Where is the value of your cow now? You know that is your 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 way of life. You know, is it in the land? Is it in the cow itself? Is it in the USDA insurance policy?" Is it in, you know, so many different ways that you can leverage in the ranching industry that gets manipulated and corrupted and the rancher always has to kind of fight to uh, navigate around the, the all the different monetary systems that are thrown at him. And in my language and communicating to the rancher, you, I let them know that, hey, you know what, there's, there's a new store of value that basically our ancestors knew and it's something that you're going to be able to leverage in the future because we we now have something and I call it protein technology to where you can actually nice um, yeah it it it's it, it's a protein technology that's never been exposed to the rancher but the thing about a rancher they've been living very decentralized their whole lives they have the mindset already of decentralization the only reason they play in the centralized world is because it's basically thrust upon them, just like everything else that we are. I believe that once the uh, the ranching community, the animal protein community, is just not ranching as far as beef, but from from lamb to fowl to hog to beef, anything that is animal protein that is solid, that once they understand that they can actually leverage a store of value that is decentralized, I think our food industry is going to change in ways that people have no understanding of yet. 
yet. And it's up to us to basically steward that and to serve this type of uh, these industries because it is how we live. It is our food. It is our nutrition. And I think that within the Bitcoin space, it, moving forward, if we're not talking food and money in the same breath, then we're doing a disservice because if we're going to say that the money is corrupted, well, anything that touches that money has got a f- chance of being corrupted. And if you look at the food supplies of the world, from the food supply chains to the lack of nutrition that is in the processed foods that we have, you know, you, you realize the corruption and how do you circumvent around that? Well, you create a decentralized food industry that is based, you know, on pure animal protein. And it's something that we can leverage our heritage and our tradition and our faith within. And we can kind of recreate the whole food industry as we know it. Yeah, I, I think we can recreate everything in a decentralized way. The food industry is just one part of that new reality that we can create that can be decentralized. And Bitcoin is at the foundation of that because it's hard to have a decentralized ranching society or decentralized food society when you don't have any decentralized means of trading. You're you're still stuck in that beast system that, uh, you know, feeds on your time and or or in your life. And your money is not really your money if it's in a bank or anywhere else other than in Bitcoin. Because if you put your value in, you know, in a shitcoin or in a bank or in a national currency, there is a guy that can come and take that away from you at any time. So it's centralized. So if, if you, the way I see it, if you really want to have a decentralized food system, you, you, you need Bitcoin to have it so that ranchers can transact with themselves, you know, without any permission. If you, if you want a decentralized school system, you also need Bitcoin because how will you pay those teachers? You know, if you pay them, with fiat, the state will see what are you doing here. Are you doing an illegal school? Uh, you're going to, to jail. But if if you paid those teachers with Bitcoin, the state has less power to attack you. It's hard for him to see what you're doing. And yeah, I think that Bitcoin is at the foundation of, of a new decentralized society that we can create because of Bitcoin. And that I think God wants us to be decentralized because with this pandemic, this pandemic, I see it like a push towards decentralization. It's like uh, um, God wants us to, I don't know, adopt the Bitcoin standard faster <laughs> because look at what <laughs> the, the truckers, look, look at the situation with the truckers. They receive money through they receive fiat donations and they were confiscated. So if, if they would have started using Bitcoin and received Bitcoin donation, they couldn't have been confiscated. So it's in a way, you know, in a way we if, if we are to adapt to this new tyrannical reality that we live in, we need to start to be decentralized and to to interact in a decentralized manner. So 
we can live because it's it's hard to live with the state. Um, I mean, uh, in in my personal view, anything that the state does is evil because any law it's based on coercion, and coercion uh, it's something that's evil. It's 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 bad to force people to do things. So any law, even if you think oh, this is a good law, it, it's it's if it's a law, it's evil because it's it will force you to do what the law is saying. So it's based on coercion and that's the whole thing simplified. But if we go and actually analyze what the state is doing, for example, all the regulations in the food industry, uh, they, they are, don't actually help the food industry and they don't actually help the consumer because with the regulations, you put barriers of entrance for other producers of food. So now the new producers of food have to hire a lawyer and some guy to to see what are the laws and what they need to do and so on. And it's harder for the competition to go in the market. So basically, uh, food industry regulations, they, uh, you know, centralize more the industry they make uh, small players be more powerful and the competition less powerful and they they to have less competition than they would do on the free market now so in my mind why why do we have regulation we have regulations to to centralize power in the hands of a few big producers that's the reason because that that look, looks like is the reason it, on a free market, we would have probably, you know, um, free, uh, you know, companies that would award, you know, the producers different, uh, you know, awards based on the standards that they freely adopt, like the organic producers. They, they, they there would be certification companies that award award those producers those awards and everything will be more uh, you know opaque uh, people could be able to see better into what's happening you have to have transparency that would happen in my mind on free market but you know in the world that we live in the state handles this problem we don't know what the state is doing the state is doing anything that they want the producers, we don't know what the producers are doing. We don't know what they feed the cattle and so on. So we have to rely on the state to trust the state that they regulate the producers the way they we think they regulate the producers and so on. So we have all these problems that are there only because the state entered in the free market and started imposing rules and regulations. You're, you're, you pretty much nailed it, and it kind of leads into what I've been addressing basically this last year within the food industry and with, with, uh, with what I'm doing now with the beef initiative. Um, you know, where, where <laughs> the government comes at 
comes at us and say, well, we, we need to uh, digitize food more so we can make you feel more safe and we can track that food from the very beginning to the fork and into your mouth. And a lot of people think that they need that type of government regulation to feel safe whenever they are in their consumption model that they're trapped in. And what I'm trying to do is bring the awareness is saying the best way to trust your food is to know the people that grow your food, that produce your food, that process your food, that supply your food. Yeah, There's a lot of things. Visit a your lot. food if you want to, right? I want to go exactly. on your ranch of, of and course. see my future food. <laughs> oh, sure. You can come. Exactly. Come, please come see, see the food. <laughs> Well, and, you know, all of that is possible, you know, with the digital world that we live in and the localization that Bitcoiners are really, you know, very strong for and, you know, a lot of support for and striving for. There's there's a there's actually a solution that's right in front of us. What's been missing are the nodes of communication to saying, hey, you know, I live right here. I've got a guy in my backyard over here in my area, in my region where I can go. I'll give an example. I go see my local producer, cattle producer, every two weeks. I shake his hand. We are friends. And what we do is we have a conversation. We talk about the livestock. We talk about the feed. His protocol is what it's called. Ranchers have a protocol. They get to develop that protocol, and they love to talk about the protocol, saying this is how much intention, intentional thought I'm putting into growing your food for you, raising your cattle, supplying your animal protein. By by having that relationship, you know, that's good to have. What else do we have? We have bottlenecks, the processors. You know, right now in the United States, we have four major processors. Three of those processors are owned by Brazilian global companies. Not a lot of people realize that. And so if I know my producer, guess what? My producer is actually my processor too, and he's my supplier. So what the Beef Initiative is trying to um, educate the public, educate ranchers and Bitcoiners, is that we now are and we are moving forward with a plan within the initiative to where you can meet your local producers. We can help anybody that needs a processor and then we can create a new market access so we can have less touch points with your food, more confidence and have stronger relationships with your local food supplies. A lot of it has been, has been done in the past, but one thing that we're bringing into the space is the decentralized uh, store of value that is Bitcoin. It can be transactional and it can be leveraged as far as um, saving your herd. Um, it doesn't have to be the insurance policy of the USDA. Now it can be the Bitcoin protocol because you're following the Bitcoin standard. With those types of protocols that those cattle ranchers do have, you know, you can get that as a stamp. You can go through the government, which tries to centralize everything, and you can. And we're going to help ranchers get their own stamp to where it's a stamp of approval and it's going to be given by the Beef Initiative. And what we can do is we can compete with the centralized form of control with our food in a very decentralized way and follow a lot of the regulations they don't even realize that we can leverage. So getting to that point was because we started following the Bitcoin protocol and the ethos. So there's a lot of discoveries that are going on that we have control now that all we have to do is implement it. 
And, you know, that's what that's why I'm in the Bitcoin space saying, hey, Bitcoiners, we want to decentralize food. Help us out here. Let's get some ranchers. Let's educate them. Let's educate them in a very good way to where they can actually have that confidence and they know that they're getting the correct education. Yeah. So, so it, 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 go ahead. Go ahead, please. No, I just I was going to say you, by saying that, you know, you do. You, um, your education roadmap into Bitcoin is, you know, something I'm very paying very close attention to with the ranchers. I, I want them to come into the beef initiative to get their education because it's proven, you know, we really want to take care of them. We don't want to sell them anything. Well, all we want to do is really let help them understand what we're talking about. And in the meantime, they get to educate us on food again. And I think a lot of people are hungry for that education. Yeah, yeah, we, we have uh, a meme in Bitcoin, don't trust, verify. So you buy mm-hmm. to your producer and speaking with him and seeing your future food, you're basically verifying, you know. And when when we don't do that, when, when we go to the market and we buy the food from there, we're just... We're just we don't we trust in government. We don't verify. So when we buy from the shelf, we trust in government and in others that our food is good. But you, by going to your producer and speaking with him and so on, you're basically verifying. So in, in a way, it's the ethos is there. You know, the same ethos with the decentralized food production and Bitcoin. Uh, and you know, um, many say that Bitcoin, uh, you know, uh, it's it's too late for Bitcoin to go into Bitcoin. Uh, I heard this, this a lot. So it's better to gamble on shitcoins than to buy Bitcoin or to keep your uh, economies in Bitcoin. And what I want to say about this is. Before Bitcoin, what was the best per, the best option for a person to uh, sustain or to to conserve the the value that uh, he he got over the time the economies? So the best option was to go on the stock market and not to gamble on the stock market on stocks, but to buy the S and P five hundred. That's the index of the top five hundred companies in USA. So that's basically like betting or keeping value in, in, in the economy of the United States. So what was this the best strategy was because uh, the S&P 500 adds and removes stocks that don't perform. So we basically are guaranteed a, a, good, a good value. And also many pension funds Social security funds uh, are keeping, uh, you know, the investments in S and P five hundred. And if S and P five hundred drops, like we saw before the pandemic, the United States government will just print money and buy the stocks in S and P five hundred and make the S and P five hundred the index go up. So in in a way, you are guaranteed that you know the value will go up. <laughs> uh, and that was the best 
the best option it would be like around 10% per year annualized in the last, I don't know how many, couple of 20 years or more, I believe. And many hedge funds actually tried to beat the S&P 500 and they, they cannot. There are few hedge funds that really managed to beat the S&P 500. So that was the, the best strategy before Bitcoin, S&P 500. And you just had to buy and, you know, just keep the value there, wait. You don't you don't need to trade or to gamble on stocks to risk your your value your money. That was the best choice before Bitcoin. And the problem with this is that your money is, is on a broker that you don't know, you know, if the broker will run with your money. It happened in the past. There were a couple of brokers that ran away with the client's money. And uh, it's only the U.S. economy. If something happens with the U.S., uh, you know, the value theoretically drops, but, you know, the U.S. will just print money and buy more. So that was the best strategy before Bitcoin. After Bitcoin, what's the best strategy? The best strategy is Bitcoin because with Bitcoin, you own your value. No one can take it away from you. But also Bitcoin is not like S&P 500. Bitcoin is like the whole world because the whole world is, you know, getting into Bitcoin. Many companies are building on Bitcoin and are buying Bitcoin as reserves. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's not like USA when, when a USA company goes up like Tesla did in the value, it gets added in S&P 500 and S&P 500, you know, goes up. But with Bitcoin is when any company goes into Bitcoin or buys Bitcoin or builds on Bitcoin and increases the network effect, when any company does that, the value of Bitcoin goes up. So Bitcoin is like an S&P of the whole world where any anyone can contribute to the, to the value. And it's decentralized. No one can take it away from you. You really own it. You know, you can verify what you own. You don't need to trust anyone for your value. And that that's, that's the idea. So even after Bitcoin standard, when the whole world will be on, on, on a Bitcoin standard, even that, then the best strategy will be to just DCA into Bitcoin, to just buy Bitcoin or keep Bitcoin if you are Bitcoin to try to add to your your stack. Even then that will be the best strategy because you know it's 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 the economy of the whole world. So if, if the world is is advancing and it usually is only if it's a you know a catastrophe or something uh, humanity will suffer. But it will it will go up and that will be the best strategy even then after a bitcoin standard the best strategy will be just this year to 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 try to increase your bitcoin stack <laughs> so you're not late if if, if you if, if there are some people that think they're late on the bitcoin no no you're never late That's it. well yeah i think the perception is yeah the perception is you know we don't know there's one thing that a lot of people do not understand is scarcity. 
we live in abundance and you know some of the abundance is is everlasting some of the abundance is definitely uh shit coins <laughs> some of the abundance is our cash you know in ways that the government can print right now uh in the food industry the, the you know we've we've come to accustom there's abundance of of food they well that what they call it food to consume. So I think it's hard for the general public to kind of take a step back and say, okay, here is an, here is something that is a store of value that is property that is that can be verified, um, don't have to trust it, can be verified, but th- there's scarcity to it. It, there'll never be more than 21 million. And whenever, you know, the mind, the modern mind looks at that, they don't understand how that works out mathematically, how that can be multiplied in ways of value and how that number of value or that store of value will always go up. It's going to go up one direction. And so as, as far as a price point of entry into Bitcoin, it's not the smartest thing to even consider because it's really not relative in the long long-term low-time preference of basically having that store of value. I think that's that's one of the hardest things that I've come across with, especially the ranchers and the people that I talk about, is understanding the scarcity of Bitcoin. Yeah. For me, I understood the scarcity when I realized that we can do more of everything, but we cannot create more Bitcoin. So... You know, there are people that invest in uh, houses uh, and in stocks and so on. So let's let's get it one by one. So if you invest in houses, uh, people build more houses. So the houses uh, have inflation. So they're not a good store of value because they have inflation. We can create more. If you buy stocks, so... Stocks can also be printed, like uh, the uh, Tesla. Tesla also printed stocks recently, I believe, if I remember well. So that's not a store, a really store, a good store of value because we can print more stocks. Shit coins again, shit coins. Anyone can create a shit coin. They're not really decentralized. The creator of the shit coin can always adjust the supply, like we see on many shit coins. And they can usually print for themselves like the only uh, real crypto that had an immaculate conception was Bitcoin. All the rest, they're usually printed by the the creators of the shitcoins. So what else do we have? Keeping your money in fiat, the banks, the central banks print more fiat. So everything has inflation except Bitcoin. So th- there is the value. Even human time has inflation because we can, you know, we can make more babies and we'll have more human time, more human brain, more human power. <laughs> so the way mm-hmm. I see the Bitcoin is the only asset that has no inflation. So that that's an amazing value that that we can harvest by by adopting it and keeping our value in it. 
Yeah, that's a good point. And it's, I think that kind of helps people understand a little bit as far as the education, you know, what the biggest, I think the biggest brain block with, uh, with ranchers or people with that I've been discussing with is they don't understand the entry point into understanding how they can acquire Bitcoin, how they can self custody, what it means to self custody, you know, seed phrases, how to, you know, the whole aspect of the security of the true ownership of your value and you, a lot of people don't understand what i just said the true ownership of your value is something that is 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 possible and and it, it is it is on ramp of understanding in, in of that clarity that i speak of whenever you come across a, and you come across new people that are, let's say newbies they are strong of faith how do you how do you talk to how do you orange pill somebody that is a somebody that is of strong faith do you have a different way of explaining it to them do you do uh, you know associations do you compare uh, how do you approach it yeah so about you know about securing your your own value i think that people uh, you know put as much as much brain power into it as the value they have so if you want to orange pill someone or you want to make someone use bitcoin it's no use to start you know with the hardest part with harder wallets or seed phrases or so on it's 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 better just to transact small values to so he gets accustomed with the whole system and so on and uh you know the more the more they they will understand and the more value they will have in bitcoin they will want will you know put more brain power into how to secure their value so when they will have more bitcoin they'll say okay i have i have a lot of you know a lot of value in bitcoin i kind of need to secure it not to keep it on an exchange or on my mobile phone or so on so they will learn you know the the way to secure your bitcoin as they grow as their value in uh, that they keep in bitcoin will grow and about orange peeling people i think that i, I believe the best way is, is to see what everyone uh, what's was the problem in, in everyone's like every person has a different problem so there are people that have the problem of not knowing where to where to keep their money you could start orange pilling them by telling why bitcoin is the best store of value there are people that have the problem of sending you know value over the border you know in a relative in another country you could try orange peeling them not by telling about you know the store value aspect but by telling them hey look uh, the banking system is very nice uh, it's very bad at, at sending value or big value in another country and so on so remittances you know so it, it's it's easier to just send value with bitcoin and you try to to touch what every person has you know the, the weak point of every person and the weak point being you know try to see what are their problems and try to show them that bitcoin can fix that problem that they have that's how i see orange people like 
I think maybe every people, every guy is different. You can orange peel different people in different way. You just have to see, you know, what what's their problem, and and to make them understand that Bitcoin is the solution for their problem. I mean, that's that's how we're approaching the ranchers. Is is I tell everybody because everybody asks me, "Do does that ranch take Bitcoin?" <laughs> so, well, we don't know yet. Let's let's go find out what they're doing first. Let's get to know them and find out what their issues are. You know, because every mm-hmm. everybody is going to be different. We just can't go and you know just throw it in their faces. Hey, do you you take Bitcoin? I want mm-hmm. all the Bitcoiners to go out there, and if you're going to talk to your rancher, saying, "Hey, I, you know." I'm going to shake your hand. I'm going to look you in the eye and say, I want you to teach me about how you raise this food. And and then I want to sit down with you. And one of my team members last night sat down with a rancher and they just sat at the table and they exchanged a dollar. They, they, they got the wallet. They, uh, they basically had a transaction and they sent a dollar and not a bunch of explaining, very minimalistic, very basic type of usability. And it really broke a barrier in one of the uh, rancher's eyes. It's like, oh, the, you know, that light came on. It's like, it's really this easy. It can be this easy. So it is, it's the entry point into each individual's mindset and how they look at money and how they transact money, really, how they obtain that money, how do they store that money. There's things that we have to find out as far as Bitcoiners and really kind of take that low time preference of, you know, basically understanding and having patience. And once we've done that with these ranchers, they really do kind of, they really get excited because they do understand it. They do understand the centralization. So that's a good point, Spente, as far as, you know, every individual is going to be different and we cannot blanket approach this as Bitcoiners because we are the educators right now and we need to take that responsibility. I feel it is a form of serving that we do because what is more important than helping to serve somebody's understanding and their clarity of how they can have more, um, time that they've invested in back into their own life to where they can give back to their families and they can give back to their communities. And now that we can, you know, we can start giving back to our children, teaching our children, this younger generation, there's a different way here. And you're going to steward this into the future for us. And we're going to teach you, we're going to bring this wisdom to this younger generation and let them know and make them feel powerful again, because I think a lot of the world right now feels very weak. They be they feel very betrayed. Um, the truckers can you? I mean, I, I know a lot of truckers, and I can't imagine how they feel doing the right thing. They feed us every day. They transport our food, and the government in Canada is trying to steal. Now I saw today they're trying to. They will stop access to the banks for these truckers. They will make it difficult for truckers to. The social credit system scoring is is moving forward in Canada today. And a lot of people, I don't know, even know if they realize that the banking industry for these truckers is about to about to be taken away from them. Yeah, and this is a great opportunity to orange peel truckers, you know. <laughs> like just go it's a part yeah, them. it is. Hey, what what are you going to do about this? The government can, you know, freeze your bank account. What are you going to do about this? Do, do you know that there is an option? And let me tell you about it. And right now there are the truckers, but tomorrow there will be some someone else. So uh, the the wise people will pay attention to this. The wise people that don't know about Bitcoin will pay attention to this, 
and will try to look for for solutions for options for themselves because tomorrow there might be someone else not the truckers but someone else that's why there are certain lines that we shouldn't cross with free speech for example if, if we censor someone now because we believe hey that's hate speech we need to censor you okay but tomorrow uh, hate, hate speech will be something else something that you decide maybe tomorrow hate speech will be speaking against the government so that's why free speech should not be should not be you know trampled and that 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 should be the line in the sand and that's that's with many stuff you have to have some you know principles and you you don't you shouldn't you know trample on them no matter the reason no matter the reason so the, the moment when we make an exception you we, we will make more exceptions and more exceptions and we will fall into a greater and greater tyranny and I can make this comparison with sin also, if, if we we are to speak about God, because uh, you know when I, I was an atheist, I, I was always wondering why the punishment for sin is that like if if I lie, why do I have to be punished to death for that? It, it's not a great sin, you know, but it's like you know it's like these lines in the sand in society with the free speech for example where if when you start you know make an exception or or transgress it once you you do it again and again and again and after a while you will have no more free speech at all so that it's the same thing with god too if you will make a scene it's like breaking the ice so in time you will make another sin and mercy and mercy. So that's why the punishment for sin is that. Meaning not that you die, but you will go to hell. So you won't be accepted in, in God's citadel in paradise. So that's how I, I explain myself, you know, why this is so harsh of a punishment for sin. <laughs> and no, I like that. Yeah. No, I like that. It, you know, in do you feel a lot of people have a hard time expressing their faith in the Bitcoin space? Do you do you have a lot of uh, community based around your faith as well? I think you have a couple of Telegram groups, or at least one Telegram group that you 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 have. And you know, what is the what is the um, what is the the spirit in these groups as far as the faith where we are right now, where Bitcoin is? What what are you seeing in the in, in your groups that you you help lead? Yeah, so we have a Telegram group for Christian Bitcoiners. It's at t.me/slash uh, Christian Maximalists. And you know it, uh, what I can say, what I've noticed in you know after coming to Christ and becoming more religious. I saw that there's, you know, many Bitcoiners are not open to to listening to other arguments. So when you start learning about Bitcoin, you kind of have to humble yourself because you have to accept that, okay, maybe 
maybe there's something there that I don't know about it and I should learn more and I should just humble myself and try to study this. And that's how many people come to Bitcoin. Like many people think that the economy is the way it is because that's the best way an economy can be. And you can see many Keynesian economists, you know, defending Keynesianism and not learning about Bitcoin because they believe that they know the absolute truth. And that's the way, the way it is now with the economy. That That's the way we should go. And this is the good way to do it. And they don't learn about Bitcoin. You can see many, you know, PhDs that that they don't come to Bitcoin and they don't know how bitcoin works because they're 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 not humble to start listening to others to maybe less smarter people than them that they learned how bitcoin works and they want to teach basically so you know how can a phd economist you know take lessons from an anonymous account from the internet you know <laughs> that's that's funny you know <laughs> so Coming to right. Bitcoin, you kind of have to humble yourself. And I can see in many Bitcoiners, after coming to Bitcoin, they think they know, they, they've reached the bottom of the rabbit hole. So this is the, the bottom of the rabbit hole and they know it all now because they understood Bitcoin. But, you know, they're, and they're not open to different ideas like, I see many uh, atheist Bitcoiners that are not open to arguments about God and about Jesus and the proofs that we have with many events in the Bible and so on. So I can see that they they no longer humble themselves in respect to other subjects. That's a, a thing that I noticed. And those that do... They learn and about, you know, Christian Bitcoiners and people that, that are in our group, um, you know, there are many opinions in Christianity too. So Christianity is uniting us in Christ. But, you know, like I, I told you at the beginning, the Bible can be interpreted, uh, you know, in many ways. So you can, if you want, you can make the Bible say whatever you want. That's why me personally, I read the Bible literally and I only interpret it uh, when the Bible tells me to interpret it. And I interpret it by but accepting the literal word. So I've noticed that in, in the Bible, many things that happened, many events that happened literally, uh, they, they had a deeper meaning. You know, you, you can see a deeper meaning there. It was not only the the, the actual the action that happened. It was a deeper meaning to the action. Um, so I, I I usually, I take it, I read the Bible literally and I accept any extra, you know, interpretations that are aligned to the main idea of the story or of of the Bible. So there are many Christians that believe many things, you know. So we don't 
all have the same opinions about stuff. For example, at the beginning when I created the group, there was a very intense debate about what what food should we eat? <laughs> should we eat meat sure. or what kind of meat should we eat? You know? <laughs> so there are Christians that eat only fish because Jesus ate only fish in New Testament. So that's what they believe. But also there are Christians that eat any, any meat because they read Romans 4, 4, 14, I guess it's Romans 14, where basically it's written that it doesn't matter what you eat, it matters what you get out of your mouth and so on. So uh, they eat any any meat. But there are also Christians that they follow the Old Testament, uh, Moses uh, rules, where they don't eat certain animals. So that's their, their choice. I mean, I, I don't, personally, I don't believe that it's a sin to eat, you know, any meat that you want to eat. You can eat any, anything. That's my personal opinion. But you should also respect others. Like if other people, other Christians eat only certain type of animals or or of, of meat, you should also respect that. So that's their choice. If if they see a sin in eating, you know, pork, then don't offer them pork. Just respect their their choice. So that's how I see it personally. But in, in the Bible. There are some uh, verses that tell that you know pe people sh people should eat everything. The strong people eat everything, and the weak people don't eat something like that. And me personally, I am a meat maximalist because I was uh, I was vegetarian like two years, and I had some serious health problems, so I was sick all the time. So. Uh, finally, after two years, I understood that, okay, I, I kind of need meat. I need meat to, to sustain myself because, you know, eating only vegetables and so on, it's it's not healthy for me in the long term. And I that's why, that's where I started looking more into, you know, nutrition. And I, I started finding more things about nutrition. And that's why now I'm a meat maximalist. But I, I I don't push it on anyone. Like if there are people that don't want to eat meat because they want to protect the animals and so on, it's their choice. Like every people is different. And I understand that maybe there are some people that can thrive on vegetables and fruits and so on because we're all different. But I think in general, humans need meat to sustain themselves that's my opinion well it's it, in it's a good opinion and it's been proven through thousands of years of our consumption that you know we we got here through eating animal protein that 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 can't be contested um in i'm i'm in the same boat as far as 
it's, it's everybody's freedom of choice to consume anything they want. The one thing that I want people to understand, either being a vegan or a carnivore, is that all right? Let's look at a vegan. It's, it it has a it has a sense of being very idealistic, and that's the reason a lot of people get into it because of you know maybe they 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 don't want the animal to die. Well, in our in our monocrop type of food industrial complex, people don't realize that even being a vegetarian and you know from monocropping and if you're buying all of your vegetables from the grocery stores and then you're buying from the industrial food complex you're buying from the big producers no matter the label on it no matter what they like to tell you as far as the marketing plan that's associated around that you are getting far less nutritional value than you even realize you're you're getting you know and that's from the vegan standpoint let's look at the meat connoisseur standpoint it's the same thing your protein is very subpar now because of the regulations of the centralized food industries it has nothing to do with being a vegan or a carnivore what this has to do the food intelligence that everybody really needs to start focusing on is that where is the source of the seed of my nutrition where was that seed harvested and who was in control of that harvest and then who, who, who basically, who was the touch point to deliver that food to me? And if you start looking at it from the source of the seed from the ground up, you realize, you know, it's not about being vegan. It's not about being carnivore. I choose to eat beef and that's all, you know, in, in animal protein. That's how I live my life. And I don't judge anybody at all. Some of my best friends have been vegan. Some of them are uh, vegan. Uh, vegan right a very strong love of my life right now is basically a vegan because she had to be a vegan and because of salmonella so there's all individual reasons why we consume what we need to understand is that the truth of our food is now a deception and that deception is leading us down a path that where we're losing our power of our minds which we lose the power of our bodies and we lose a power of our spirit. And if you look at the food industry and if you look at the beef initiative for what I'm doing, we're getting back to that pure, basically nutritional value that we all need. And if we can start there, as far as that, that discussion, it leads us to truth. And one thing in the Bitcoin space is that we 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 present ourselves as seekers of truth. Well, a lot of the outside world believes that's toxicity, and you know that's something that you you wrote about as well. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree with you. And just let's let's analyze for a second the arguments and the current status of of the food industry, like. Many sure. vegans are vegans because they don't want to kill animals. But, okay, what's the alternative? Like monocrop and large-scale, you know, uh, plantations where you, you, you actually destroy a lot of land to, to plant that food and you destroy many insects and you destroy, you know, many small mammals like you know, rabbits and so on just because you don't want to eat meat. So not not eating meat, you know, you kind of need to destroy more smaller beings for you not to eat meat. So that argument 
didn't st stand with me after I understood that. Like the, the large scale farming, that that's destroying. It's destroying animal life, it's destroying insects, and it's destroying also the land because it's not sustainable. Like every year, the farmers need to to dig deeper in the ground to take out more of the nutrients that are no longer at the surface but are in the deeper layers of the ground so where 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 do we go with this this is not sustainable so that's veganism that, that's the, the alternative is meat where you know it uh, at least you know from for my health eating meat it was great uh, you kind of it helps you with your health you eat less. You don't need that much food. Eating meat is is cheaper than eating vegetables and, and fruits. You you live you know a cheaper life by eating meat. You live a healthier life by eating meat because you get all the nutrients you need. And also, you you support an industry that can be made to be sustainable because look at your initiative you know what if if we go, if i go and buy my meat from the store then that meat is not as rich in nutrients and the animals didn't went through a good life until they reach my, my the shelf of the store so that's bad but if i go on a, a more natural path that you are now where you know, we buy our food from 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 ranchers, our meat from ranchers. We can see that th those animals they they lead a life a more a better life than they would in, in the wilderness. So the rancher offers the animal a good life, a life that the animal could not have had in the wilderness. But also. It's sustainable. It's sustainable because the soil it's regenerated. So it's a cycle. It's a natural God-given cycle that supports us in, indefinitely. You know, it, it's it's the natural way. It's the sustainable way. It's the way that we should eat and that we should should approach this. So everyone wins here. The rancher wins, you know, the, the, your neighbor wins, the rancher is your neighbor, he wins. The animal wins because he he'll, he will grow, he will have a good life. He will, won't have any predators, the rancher will take care of the animal. You win because you will have better health, you will pay less for food because you won't eat as much. You will have more time, you know, meat is very easy to cook. You just fry it and that's it. <laughs> so everyone yeah. everyone wins by we adopting a sustainable path, a path that was that is natural, that is God-given. We've we've moved so far from the natural way of doing things that we are destroying ourselves. We we destroy our our bodies, we destroy our, our time, we destroy everything. This this cannot continue for very long. That's how I see it.
No, it's, it's a good point. You know, you bring up destroying our bodies and it's, it's very obvious that especially in my lifetime, looking at, you know, the early seventies, of course, and everybody says, you know, what the F happened in 1971. If you look at the, the devaluing of the dollar at that time, going off the gold standard, and you look at the food industry as a whole throughout these decades, since then, you can do lock, stop, and burial, basically, as far as the health of our nation has decreased each decade. And each decade has included a more of a, uh, an, insert, an insertion of fake commodities into our consumption models. With those fake commodities, you know, you get less nutrition, you get more processing, you get more chemicals that are used to bring that processing to you in that final product. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. And the one thing that they, we live a digital, you know, interface surface level life that basically does not let us look deeper into the truth of our food supplies. People are very coerced by marketing plans. They're coerced by uh, stats. They're coerced by everything except for what they should be. And that would be the truth of the source of that seed. By, by my starting the initiative, it, it's a very simple model know where your food comes from. That's it. Establish a relationship, honor that relationship. Like you do the truth. And once you've done that, you've take all this stress, all this indecision out of your, your decision-making skills, because your mind is going to get stronger because the animal protein, your body's going to get stronger. You're going to carry confidence. And when we go through phases of our society that we're in right now, that's very corrupt and very chaotic, very evil in my book, then you don't have to play that game. And, you know, we can look at the money saying, oh, it's going to save us. Well, it's not going to save us. It's going to give us tools. Bitcoin's going to give us all every tool that we, we choose to leverage. That's the beautiful thing about it. Once we start leveraging our food in the truth of food, then you then we have something that nobody else has. We have a new kind of um, a, a, a pillar of strength that we can rely on. And, you know, I, I know the Bitcoiners are very respect, receptive to this this idea. And it gives me a lot of hope and it gives me a lot of, um, you know, praise for everybody that's coming along for the ride. And, you know, meeting somebody like you, Spente, that has, a, you know, a deep sense of faith and a, and a very based way of looking at the world. You know, this is happening because of food and Bitcoin. This is the only reason, you know, that we would have ever have ever met. And there's something that's very magical about that. And then there's something that's, you know, very spiritual about that. And it brings a lot of strength. And, you know, as far as somebody getting into the, the Bitcoin space, you, because you are you are a very good educator, you're, you're a good communicator within the, you know, the Bitcoin Twitter space, you know, you, you do a lot of very smart and sophisticated memes, you know, visual representations. Yeah. How would you suggest somebody like I got into Bitcoin in the Bitcoin space at the very beginning or the end of 2019, I believe it's been over a year or something like that. How would you kind of give advice is to to come to the space to have confidence and to kind of pursue kind of the you know what we've discussed this past hour? Well, I'm curious, how did you get in? How did you learn more about Bitcoin? Sure. 
Well, what had happened, I had an energy uh, injury and I was laid up for about six months. And so I was just, I was at re-educating. I was taking, like you said, you, t- you took a couple of weeks off of work. Well, I had about six months and I just started looking at the food models and I come from agriculture. My grandfather was a farmer. That's where I, where I come from. It's agriculture and ranching. So I know a lot about the industries and I know how they've changed. And so I really started diving down into the food as it is and where we came from. I started reflecting on our family history. At that same time, I started just paying attention to Bitcoin. And, you know, one person that I connected to and and I'm very grateful was a pirate beach bum. And he really, everybody has somebody they grab a hold of, you know, that they say, okay, I'm going to listen to this guy for a while. And then I, I read the Bitcoin standard, uh, the, you know, going down the rabbit hole of 20 th- 21 lessons I've learned. And it just created a process. But as I was going down the rabbit hole of Bitcoin, I was getting deeper and deeper into the understanding and the truth of food. And so it was very symbiotic. And I leveraged everything that I knew in the past and then what I was learning moving forward. And I just kind of let it flow. I let it work together. I let it happen organically and holistically. And it really gave me a new form of intelligence that I wanted to tell everybody about saying, hey, we need to look at this. And so I started writing about it and associating and making it symbiotic. I can't think I can't think of Bitcoin right now without thinking about food. I can't think about food without thinking about Bitcoin. And it, it's given me, you know, a new new hope, um, you know, some new power. And it's, it's given me an initiative that, you know, I'm pretty much dedicating my life to right now. Yeah, I think God made you, you know, made you follow this path. <laughs> By that yeah, I, I think it is a God. <laughs> yeah, I think, it, I think it is a God thing. I mean, I don't question that. I, I accept, you know, acceptance is a key. And I surrendered a long time ago that it's not my will anymore. You know, it's thy will. And a lot of people don't understand what that means. But once you surrender to faith and to your, your belief system, then you can just let go. You can and you can move on. And you, you don't have to process emotionally, you know, spiritually or physically. You don't have to process a lot of things if you're lost and wandering around the forest and not understanding your direction. Once you have that direction, you have that light on the hill, you have that beacon, whatever it is that you need to, as, as far as your faith is concerned, you know, you, you can become pretty powerful when you find out a lot of things. And, you know, it helped me find Bitcoin. It helped me find the truth in food. Yeah, and I see this God's will. I see it in a very different way now. Like before, I always wanted to be in control of my life. And now I understand that I'm not really in control of my life because in our lives, there are many things that happen in a day, but there are so few things that we can control. So take, for example, a job, you know, when you get a job, that's, you know, many, many people think that, I got that job because you know what uh, my what how I made my CV or how I was at the interview and so on. But I see it like you getting a job. It's 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 less about you doing something, more about the external environment uh, doing something for you, like. Uh, you getting a job is about your boss accepting you in his team you know it's not like okay i want to go to this company it's like this company accepted you there so 
it's I see it like there are many many things that happen they they don't happen because of us and we don't have control over them even you know if you're married your wife you think that okay yeah I chose my wife and my wife chose me but if you think more about it you meeting your wife could be you know at the end of a very long chain of events that neither you or your wife controlled so i see it like god is actually in control of our lives and we just have to accept that you know where god leads us that's where we we should go and that's better for us than to just you know fight the the, the wave uh, and try to be over or on top of stuff that's how i see it right now and yeah for for new people that come into space uh, i think michael sailor is doing a great a job of explaining the fundamentals of bitcoin so if you go to hope.com we'll have a lot of material there to understand it but and if you want to understand it from a technical perspective you'll have to google you know and watch youtube videos about how it works I think it's harder to understand it from a technical perspective and to, to understand why it is decentralized, why it is unconfiscatable, why it is unbreakable, why, 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 all those stuff. But I think fundamentally it's it's easier to get into and if you just follow, you know, hope.com and Michael Saylor interviews, you'll he he explains very well from a fundamental view but also follow you know people if you go on twitter follow some of the guys with laser eyes <laughs> um i like you know i like memes because it's they are like you know a concentrated bill of truth with fun in the same time it's like a stand up but it's not a 30 minutes or one hour show, but just, you know, a small dose of exactly the, the, the idea with fun at the same time. So uh, I learned a lot from memes and many times, you know, I didn't understood many memes that I saw on the internet, but after watching more and more memes about the subject, I kind of, you know, learned the subject from, from memes. So you can learn a lot from memes too. But the problem that I see right now with with the memes is that uh, is censorship. So, for example, there are memes in the shitcoin space too. So if you fall there in the shitcoin space and you start looking at their memes, you if if you know the subject you kind of you can you know destroy their memes because their memes are not based on truth you can you can make uh, a counter argument or a counter meme to their memes but you know the way the social networks are built by now like they can you know they can censor you they can hide your reply and so on so censorship you know, creates bubbles and uh, Bitcoiners cannot go into shitcoin circles to meme them because the shitcoiners will just block the Bitcoiners. 
and if if you fall in a in a shitcoin circle, you you won't you won't see the, you won't see the alternative to their lies. You won't see you won't have access to the truth. So I see that as a problem because that creates more extrem extremism and you know bubbles and different opinions and we, we cannot communicate with each other. So I, I think censorship is a problem on the web. So it, it can be a trap to 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 go into shitcoin circles and not you know not have access to, to the Bitcoin circles. <laughs> yeah I, I think that's a problem. Yeah, it leads to something that, you know, a lot of people have a hard time with, especially in this form of adoption and innovation that we're going through, uh, the type of prohibition that we're up against. And it's a, a lot of times it's hard for across the board. A lot of the Bitcoiners have a hard time, you know, knowing what forgiveness is and where to approach forgiveness as far as in your heart or in the space. Um, you know, where is forgiveness as far as, you know, being tolerant, you know, a lot of times, you know, being tolerant, the word tolerant has been hijacked and it's used a lot of against a lot of people that, you know, do, do try to live in that truth. And they try to be very honest and upfront and, you know, being overly tolerant gets you in trouble sometimes. But also it, it, it basically it's hard to uh, go to that point of forgiveness that we need. And it's, it's hard to approach sometimes. I don't know if we're there yet, um, especially what's happened in the last couple of years with the people that have really divided our our nations and, and the globe as a whole. You know, where do we find that forgiveness? Where do we go? Where's your where's your beacon of forgiveness? Where Where's your source? Yes, yes. Um, I look I, I, even on my my Twitter I, with my content. I, I often post things that you know you can agree with everyone. So not not all your followers will agree with your content. And when I post certain you know certain memes, and there are many people that don't agree with them, and they just unfollow me. Like I. I also follow people, but I don't unfollow them just because they have a different opinion than mine. So I follow, for example, good accounts that post memes about shitcoins, but you know I don't agree with their shitcoin or shitcoinery. But I still follow them because I there's still some good content there. So if I see people, you know, if 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 you say something that people don't agree with with your opinion, they just you know, just push you, and they don't don't want to talk with you, and they don't follow you, and so on. So I, I see this. It's like a childish, you know, a childish uh, way of handling things. Like not everyone has the same opinions, and we kind of have to accept that different people have different opinions. We don't, you know, we don't don't need to you know fight with each other because we have different opinions. That is like I see it all the time, people having different opinions and fighting with each other because they have different opinions. No, so uh, uh, the whole thing that it's happening, all, all, all the situation that we are in right now, it's like everything that happens, happens for our good, for our sake. 
even the regulation. So the state said, okay, we're gonna put some regulations in this industry for your safety, for your sake, for you. That that that's such a lie. You know, that that that's also the original lie in Genesis. You know, just you can you can eat the apple. God really said that you will die, or you will be like God. It's for you, for your for your own good. You will be equal with God. That that that's the same. I see the same lies in society right now, and not only with the money and with the food, but in, in every domain. With schools, the same thing. Like how how did we end it up? With schools being indoctrination centers for kids, like how? Well, we started with a small school. Let's build a small school. Teach, teach everyone. You know, everyone has the right for an education. Is for your own good, for your own safety. That's what was the start. That was the initial lie. You know, with vaccine, vaccine is the same thing. Uh, I, now I don't want to, you know, jump into this subject, but. I think we, there is a problem with the vaccine industry and the medical industry right now. But it was the same start. Like there was, okay, we, we do this for your own good. We, we you know, if we make this vaccine mandatory for your own good, it's for you, it's for you. How about just leaving us alone, you know, let us decide for ourselves what we do, you know, because... I, I, this this is like that I see everywhere, even with the state. You know, what, why why do we need a state? We need a state for our own good, for our own good. Yeah, and now we are enslaved by the state. Why do we need you know a fiat system for our own good, for our own good? And many people, you know, many people in Bitcoin are anarcho-capitalists and voluntarists. Many people believe that we don't need the state. And if we start thinking thinking here and let's see, roads. Roads are built by the state? No, roads are built by companies. There are private roads. So we can have roads and we can pay for accessing those roads. It's infrastructure, like in the internet. We the internet, you know, is not provided by the state, but we have internet it's infrastructure that we can access by paying. So we can have the same thing with roads. Okay, with hospitals, and it's, it's the same thing. You, you want to access a hospital, you pay for access. It's simple. Pay for what you need. With water, the same. You want water from, you know, from the, the city, you pay for it, and the city brings you water. So why why do we need taxes? Why why do we need, you know, uh, why do we need the state imposing his his things on us? With schools the same, you know, we can have private schools. You want your kid to go to a school, bring your kid to the school you want to go. So what are the things that we don't we don't we cannot have that need to be provided by the state and i over the time i started looking into this and i found out that there is nothing that we cannot have uh, without the state so even the security services like police police is, is basically a 
could be a private company that offers security services. You have a problem with someone, you, you, if you can't handle yourself, you call a private security service. So what else? You know, I mean, uh, if you have a problem with someone, um, right now the state is basically the, uh, the arbiter between, you know, conflicts in society. So that was the hardest part for me to understand, like, who will judge people if we don't have a state that judges? So I, you know, I I thought about it and I took it very simple. What happens now when, when, there, when there is a conflict, the... The incentive is for the conflict to be resolved in a peaceful way. And a third party resolves the conflict and both the parties in the conflict, they accept, you know, the, the, the result of the third party, you know, the judgment of a third party, a third trusted party. That, that, that's, that's it, you know. And that's what we have right now in society. Like if two people or two companies or a company and... Some people have problems, they get judged by the state. So why do we have to be judged by the state? Why don't we, why can't we have private courts that judge people? Like, like, you know, in the Bible, there were priests. They were trusted that their judgment was right. And, you know, before the Israelites had a king, they were judged by the priests. So it's like if we have a conflict, we we agree on a on a third party that we both trust to judge us, and we both agree for that judgment to 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 accept that judgment and to make it so like the third party wants in the end. So even you know we can have private courts. There is nothing that the state can offer that we cannot you know have in a free market without the state and many many people are advocating for you know for a nation without a state but in my opinion that's that's hard because um to have a nation without a state you you will have to have a lot of time for the people in in that area to to grow and and to for the private services to grow in that society so it's like a seed you, you need to let the seed grow into a tree before you know trying to bring it down and in in our current society we can't have the society because the state will trample that seed and that, that seed will, will not never grow into a free society never and I think uh, the the thing that Bitcoin can bring is uh, is a state that you know is more you know decentralized, more, more not not decentralized, but more removed from from the the individual. Because you know, if if we think about it, the state has a lot of land and a lot of properties and a lot of things. A lot of things are are in the state are owned by the state. So a good administrator of the of the state property will will never require for for taxes because you know you, you have so much land 
you can rent, you can build, you can offer a lot of services, and you can make a lot of money and you can produce a lot of values and you can help a lot of people without asking for, for any tax. So property taxes, income taxes, those exist only for different reasons, not because we can go without them. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, look, yes. look, look at, I mean, look, is at it... look at the roads. The state has so many roads. Just ask for you know money to access the roads, and make try to make a profit from that. Look at the buildings. The state has so many buildings. It can do a lot of things with those buildings. So the state is a very bad administrator of its own property, and uh, you know the taxes. Uh, also, why do they exist when they just can't print money? So we have we have a, a way we, we we see the society the way it works, and we think it's normal, but it's it's very evil, and many people have alternatives to what's happening but the alternatives are ignored or are pushed aside or you know they're just not taken into consideration at all so that that made me think initially when before before actually you know learning about bitcoin that made me think oh, this this thing is evil the state is evil we don't, we don't need you know all this force and coercion for us to to live, and why is this happening? Like every state is evil, and is this a conspiracy, a grand conspiracy? What, 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 why? You know. And one of my personal, you know, answers were maybe these are the incentives. Like if if you leave people alone, they they will create, uh, you know. Uh, um, a society where they have basically a mafia ruling that land and that's what the state is a mafia ruling that land and maybe these are the incentives you know but with this pandemic you, i started to understand that that's not really the answer that really you know all all the states can collude and all the states are really evil and the states that don't align, they, you know, they are destroyed or like we saw the leaders are killed. And the states that maybe are not in, in the, you know, conspiracy, in the evil stuff, they maybe think that there's no other way and they need to do it because other greater states did it. So we have to do it the same way. So this pandemic showed me that yeah, that there really is some some great evil behind all of this, and and the Bible confirmed me because it's written in the Bible that the evil one rules this world. So kind of, I I reached you know a conclusion, and the Bible already told me that, and I I just had to pay attention and to look around me to understand that. Uh, the Bible was, was right from the start. I just didn't know what was written in the Bible. So that's, that's how, you know, I connected what's happening and that's what, what, what was happening um, brought me to the Bible. I started seeing all this evil. You know, look, uh, I was thinking if, 
if you let 200 people to make a decision it's it's really almost crazy to think that they all will take the same the same decision and the same option we can see we, we put 20 people in a room and they all have that, that uh, separate opinions like how can how come that all the countries in the world they they all work with the, the coercion is at the base of the ruling of every every com, every country in the world. Every country is based on coercion and then extortion and then theft and lies. Yeah, for me, that was a thing that uh, it, it can be like every country is like that. And I thought that you know if we let people do their own thing, we will have you know probably sovereign cities, uh, private cities, where we would have different forms of government and of governance. Some cities will be democratic, some will be you know, monarchies, some will be communes, communist uh, cities, some will be, you know, capitalistic, fully capitalistic cities and so on. So why why can't we let people build their own city somewhere? Like It's like all, we have all this land and we cannot let people live their life. There's some, something evil that is not letting the human spirit, you know, uh, uh, manifest in its full, full grace, you know. So this, this anarcho-capitalism, if you understand it, that's a clue, you know, that there is a lot of evil and we are ruled by evil. But also this pandemic confirmed me and, you know, it's very clear that it's really evil. We are ruled by by evil, and all, all the stuff that happens is really evil. And also, when you start going through all 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 other domains, any other domain, like food industry, like you see that it's evil. What's ha- it's happening in the food industry? And it's designed that way. It's not because oh we don't know how to do it better. It's designed that way. It's it's a deception. It's built on a lie. If we go, you know, with the schools, we can see that what happens in schools and the whole system is evil. It's not normal for kids to grow like this. It's it's not normal what's happening in schools. We want to raise our children at home. No, you cannot. You cannot. You need to bring your children to us. We will teach your children. We will educate your children. This is evil. And you start going through any domain, you know, you know, healthcare. You start understanding what's happening in healthcare. What's the truth in healthcare? You kind of start understanding it's, it's evil. Everything is evil. Everything is, is based on lies. Everything is a deception. And the whole system is built against us. With the money, the same. The money, you know, Bitcoin, the money. The money system, it's its all evil. It's all evil. And that—that uh, that was a thing that, you know, brought me to the Bible. And I, I saw that, you know, the Bible tells tells the truth, tells the truth about money. <laughs> the Bible tells a lot mm-hmm. about money. Usury, it's not good. Tells the truth about food. In the Bible, you can, you can have the, the truth. In the Bible, you can, you know, God... God, like God, gave us all that we need to know to have a paradise. But we have 
not a civilized society, but it's it's really if you start understanding all all, all the, the things that happen and how they happen, you you feel at least I personally felt like this is really a hell. <laughs> it's not what is this? This is a hell, you know. Our nature is so fallen that God gave us all that we need to create a paradise, uh, all that we need to function and and to live a good life and a healthy life and a sustainable life. And we we took everything that God left us in the Bible, God's word, and we do everything in the opposite way. It's like that book that said good is evil, war, war is peace, and so on. That, that's from the Bible. And you can see of, of inversion of the truth with everything that, that you study in society and in our life. And the Bible tells us why this happens. It explains our fallen nature and tells us that this world is really ruled by, by evil. So that's that's one one of the reasons for which I found you know Jesus Christ. <laughs> I saw all the evil. Well, all the evil. Yeah. Well, you you allowed yourself to see that evil. You know, a lot of people just don't know how to perceive evil. They don't understand because they don't have a, a, a solid foundation of understanding of good and bad. Maybe maybe their core belief systems are a little off. There's a lot of reasons. But one thing that, you know, what you just spoke of for a lot of people, you know, it becomes overwhelming. OK, you know, because you're carrying all of that evil upon you, all of the corruption upon you as the end individual and you look at the the world as it is as a whole and what what I like to really tell people is that you know within any community you cannot have a strong community without a strong individual and by having that individual uh, strength you know you do not have to validate the evil that is in the world and we don't have to look at the world every day and let that be our focal point of understanding what we really need to do is turn that within to find that personal strength again to 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 not validate the corruption to not validate the evil and ways of participating in all the distractions that are out there and if we as individuals can do that with a with the leap of faith of course with some strength of character, you know, with the pursuit of truth and uh, intentional decision-making skills. We don't have to as Bitcoiners or as Christians um, or, you know, the seekers of decentralization, whatever you need to label yourself as. If you can, as an individual, start making these intentional decisions, you can start separating yourself from the weight of the world, you know, and that's a cliche, but it's true. And how do you start by doing that? Well, you get back to the source of the seed of all of the corruption and of the truth as well. The truth, the awakening, uh, the awareness that's going on in this country is is a balance. You know, our 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 whole uh, globe is on on an axis of balance. The universe has got a balance to it. Good and evil has a balance. Without joy, you have no suffering. Without suffering, you have no joy. And a lot of people lose that understanding and, and the truth behind that. 
what I always ask ranchers and I ask Bitcoiners and I ask my friends, I ask my families, I ask my enemies, I ask everybody's let's find some balance in the truth. And that truth starts within the strong individual us building communities in the Bitcoin world. We have to understand that we cannot bring that outside approach into this anymore. We have to come from within. We have to really stand our own two feet. We have to make intentional decisions that will better our time and space so we can bend time and space in a way that's never been done before. And that's part of us getting into the Bitcoin ethos. And you know, as far as moving forward, you know, I'm very excited. I look at the world right now. I see with mass prohibition, we have mass innovation. I think the Bitcoiners are leading that. I see you, Spente, as far as being in the space as somebody that's definitely leading in the in the sense of faith and education and as far as clarity. Um, you know, we've been here for getting kind of close to two hours. Not too bad, though. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to have you back after I have um, a couple of uh more actually podcasts that cover in the faith realm and we're going to have a conference in the spring and i would like to come back and have uh let's go further down the 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 um lifestyle of faith based on you know our belief systems that we see and how we can really help people associate maybe the bitcoin you know ethos the bitcoin standard way of life into you know a, a pursuance of faith that it, it really does presents a form of clarity um i really appreciate you, you we didn't know each other personally i think we were, we've kind of had a really good introduction today I really want to thank you. And for anybody that doesn't know who you are, can once we can you go ahead and give us your information so everybody can follow? I'll put it in the show notes as well. But if you if you could let us know the best way to contact you or to start following you, yes, sure. So people can find me at Twitter. My handle is uh, Bitcoin Crusader. And also a shameless plug for the Christian Bitcoin community. Uh, it's uh, t.me slash Christian Maximalists. It's a group for, you know, Christian Bitcoiners. Excellent. Is there anything else you'd like to close with? I'm going to give you the floor and let you kind of spread some wisdom and some faith if you care <laughs> to. Yes. Well, we spoke at the beginning about the connection with Bitcoin and Jesus and many people thinking that maybe Bitcoin is Jesus. But I think that the better comparison is Bitcoin being the apocalypse. Uh, Bitcoin is the apocalypse of the beast system and the apocalypse of the central banks. We With Bitcoin, we can be our own bank and we can be sovereign over our own destinies. I love that. That's a good way to close. And I'm going to think about that for the next month before you come back on the show. So I appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you. God bless Thank you. you and and keep on. Yeah, you bet. You. You, you have a great week, great weekend. And uh, we're going to see each other on Twitter a lot more. I'm going to, I'm going to call you out more. You can call me out more if you care to please go to the beef initiative and check it out. Thank you very much. God bless you. Here at the Beef Initiative, we encourage 
all you ranchers out there to tell us who and where you are so we can let everybody know they're looking for you. This time I'm shouting out KNC Cattle out of Austin, Texas. KNCCattle.com. Cole, he's a fourth generational Texas rancher. He knows what he's doing.